0: Welcome to Behind the Music, brought to you by the Wichita Falls Symphony Orchestra. Join us as we go behind the scenes with our talented musicians and guests to speak candidly about their musical journey and reveal interesting snippets about upcoming concerts. Before we hear from Maestro Fukuri, we wanted to give all of you a clarification on what you're about to hear. This episode was originally recorded with the intent to be released right before our January 22nd concert, featuring Pam Youngblood and Jamie Hafner. Unfortunately, due to the spike in the COVID-19 virus in January, the concert was postponed. However, we're excited to finally be able to bring you the wonderful music of Pam, Jamie, and the orchestra at Aiken Auditorium on March 26, 2022. So sit back and enjoy the fascinating conversation in this episode of Behind the Music. And now, here's your host, the Wichita Falls Symphony Orchestra music director and conductor, Fuad Fakuri.
1: Welcome to this episode of Behind the Music. I'm your host, Fuad Fakuri. We are here today to talk about our next performance coming up on January 22nd. This concert will be at Aiken Auditorium, which is, one of, which is on the campus of Midwestern State University. We've been really fortunate to perform at Aiken, and that's a completely different venue from Memorial, and it's really just intimate and allows us to perform music that is uh, typically we wouldn't be able to perform at Memorial. So we're really looking forward to that. Joining us today is Dr. Pam Youngblood, the Principal Flutist of the WFSO, and Dr. Jamie Hafner, our Principal Harpist. Thank you both for being here with us today, Jamie and Pam.
2: Thank you. Delighted to be here.
1: Thank you. Pam, we'll start with you. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your background and your history with the Wichita Falls Symphony Orchestra.
3: Well, I should warn you, it goes back a little bit of a distance here in time. But I moved to Tennessee, I grew up in Tennessee and moved to Texas to go to graduate school. Did not know a single person here. But I will tell you that I heard my husband to be before I ever saw him. It was the most amazing clarinet playing. We were both grad students at what was then North Texas State University, and um, let's just say we were engaged by Thanksgiving, and and it was a very happy, happy um, beginning of a lot of playing together. And it just so happened that that next year, there was an opening in the Wichita Falls Symphony. Jess grew up here. This was his home. He brought me up here to meet his parents and to hear a symphony concert. Mm. Those were two very important parts of the whole process and then as i was saying there was an opening the next year after we got married that summer so i have played with which shall fall since 1976 and i'm sure everybody's trying to do the math really quickly but i'm in year number 46 that's and terrific. i just can't tell you what a privilege and blessing it is to have done all of that and to still be here
1: that's wonderful that's great you know one thing that's interesting about all three of us here we all, well, you didn't go. You work at University of North Texas, yes. but we all have a connection to the yes. University of North Texas. Yes. I didn't know that you went to school mm-hmm. there. Um, I obviously went to school there. And now that leads us to Jamie. Jamie, you right now, um, you have a position at the university. You teach, obviously, you're the professor on harp, but you also have an administrative position. So if you could tell us a little bit about that, and as well as your background in general.
2: Yeah, Uh absolutely. So I was really fortunate to join the uh, faculty at UNT in 2006. So I'm in my 16th year, and um, I currently serve both as associate professor of harp and director of graduate studies. I've held previous administrative positions as well, including director of undergraduate studies, so curriculum is certainly a passion in addition to HARP. But the HARP is a full-time job in itself. Um, part of my work there is is just my absolute love of working with my students. I have, um, depending on how you count them, depending on DMA students, between 13 and 16 students, we are one of the largest studios in the United States. And it's not only about being big, but it's, it's really the students pushing each other and they're Absolutely involved in everything, and you know everyone from freshmen all the way through doctoral students—they are my inspiration.
1: That's that's wonderful. And uh, Pam, you said you came from Tennessee, correct? Mm-hmm. And Jamie, you're you're from originally, from where? South Dakota. South Dakota.
2: Yeah, Tennessee. I'm one of just a few artists there. <laughs> Although I have to mention that um, this coming summer I will be presented in a recital there. Um, that. American Harp Society has their national conference in my hometown. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's so yeah, i delighted.
1: So, I mean, w- one thing that obviously you both share is that you both have administrative duties, right? Yes. So you're both, you, you teach obviously flute, and you're a flutist, professional flutist, flutist, and uh, you you play harp and teach harp, but you also have these administrative positions at the universities. How do you balance those both with life and with your profession being the, the musician versus the administrator. In it's
2: fact, a $10,000 question. <laughs> yes,
3: it is. When I stepped into an administrative role 10 years ago, I said to myself, I will not give up being the flutist that I am. And if that means that I don't do this administrative stuff anymore, then that's what that's going to mean. But what I've realized in doing the administrative part, I'm the director of the School of the Arts and Design at Texas Woman's University, what I realize is it gives me the opportunity to create a lot of opportunities for our students and to- to also support our faculty. Mm-hmm. So that's what's keeping me going in all of it. We had a big concert last week, a big holiday concert with all of our ensembles. And I sat there thinking, yes, that's why I do all this paperwork is so these students can do that. That's great. But I refuse to
2: give up being the flutist that I am.
3: So you
1: should, that's right, exactly. <laughs> How about you?
2: Completely agree. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I, as I stepped into this role, I, I became director of graduate studies in the fall of 2020, um, previously having served as director of undergraduate studies. I can't remember the math. I think it was about eight years. But it, it, it was similar in that I wanted that to be in addition to building a studio, performing, continuing to write and make CDs and perform. Right, right. <laughs> and and it, it is without that performing passion driving the administrative work, I would feel completely out of balance. It's right. a lot of work, as yes, we all know. Sure I- <laughs> In fact, Pam was my boss for a little while <laughs> when I, I had some students at TWU and right. I held a dual appointment. And mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's, it's amazing how how these overlaps work and how um, really the administrative work, just as you said so eloquently, Pam, elevates everything else that you're doing. That's it's really a support
1: Mm -hmm. that's that's terrific i mean you know and i think probably the the this this sort of similarity or the thread that's consistent between both of you is that and i find that as i you know you age a little bit you start realizing that helping others is Mm -hmm. is what really keeps you going indeed it's not just you but you're the more you can assist and support others the more you feel good about what you do yes so Mm -hmm. that's that's terrific so let's talk about the piece that you are performing because we have to do that as well (laughs) so you are both going to perform a piece together, the Mozart concerto that includes the harp as well as the flute. Can you just talk a little bit about that work and how uh, you envision performing together and, and doing it together?
3: I will say this is something we've wanted to do together for a long time. yeah. And it's a piece that I've wanted to do for a very long time. But you don't get a lot of opportunities. right?
2: And so we're very, very excited about it. Mm-hmm. It has a really interesting history. And um, but what's fascinating is Mozart really didn't write for the harp. This was a, an anomaly and, um, you know, quite a masterpiece at that. But um, some of the, the fascinating just historical tidbits are that it was written for an entirely different sort of harp from what i'll be performing on mm-hmm. um and so that's one of the challenges is to be historically true to to that instrument so i'll i'll I won't get too much into the weeds, but it was um, written for a harp that only had two positions of pedals instead of three. So oh. it was not a fully chromatic instrument. It was much smaller. is very be- beautiful sort of harp that would have been played by Marie Antoinette. <laughs> um, UNT actually owns a, a harp that dates from that era. And um, it, it's just astonishing. It's this petite work of art and it just really embodies what this concerto is, I believe.
1: Would you be able to, I mean, I'm not going to push you to do it, but I mean, if you were to perform it today on that harp, would it be more difficult? Would it be, Mm -hmm. uh, how would that experience be compared to performing it on the harp that you perform today, the modern harp?
2: That's a great question. Well, the the most important thing is that that harp would not have projected the way that the the modern harp does. It wouldn't have had the same thickness of strings or distance between the strings. Mm-hmm. So the projection that's necessary in today's symphony orchestras, that harp just wasn't capable of that. And, um, and so that's why it's so beautiful to perform it in a chamber setting as it was mm-hmm. originally conceived. Um, but the major differences would have been Um, really the chromaticism, the work with the pedals and the harp would have been tuned in a different key. The current harp, current modern pedal harp is tuned in C flat, where, where the only C flat instrument, and that harp would have been tuned in E flat major. So the pedals would be going opposite directions of what I would be accustomed to performing on.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, for me, in terms of programming the piece and putting it on, um, I'm just thrilled that you will both be performing it. Um, you know, I love every orchestra I work with, and I love all the musicians in the orchestra. I mean, that's clearly, you I mean, you respect everyone, and but there's always some sort of a, a feeling where you feel sort of an affinity to different players and different people within the orchestra that, that you think, oh, you know what, I don't have to do much. They just, they get it, right? I mean, <laughs> you don't have to really talk a lot. Or, and you embody that for me, both of you. I mean, it's just, there's a sense of just an ease when playing in the orchestra and, you know, just, and I love doing that. And I cannot wait to rehearse the, the piece with you. Both of you.
2: That's incredibly kind. Oh, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Interesting to hear because I always feel that way because Pam and I frequently have solo lines together. And I always know it doesn't matter how far apart we are. (laughs) I I know that we'll be playing exactly together. So Thank you for that. Absolutely.
1: So before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like our audience, anything else that you'd like the audience or our listeners to to know about the the particular concert or the performance or anything you want to impart before we wrap up?
3: I think I would like to dispel the, the widely held belief that Mozart hated the flute. <laughs> I refuse to accept that. Most flutists think it was just that he didn't want to be told what to do at any given time. But he certainly does write beautifully for an instrument that he supposedly disliked. Dislike, yeah.
2: so. It's interesting to hear because there's the myth about mm-hmm. the harp as well. Oh. And <laughs> And, you know, even though he chose not to write for it, it just didn't have the same chromatic capabilities. There is a story that he was never paid for writing this piece. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was written for um, a member of the aristocracy and his daughter. The daughter was a virtuoso composition student, and so it's said that that's why this piece emerged and because they wanted to perform together, so...
1: Well, that's great. I mean, you know, Mozart is Mozart. He can do anything. He can write for anything. (laughs) He'll he'll always be great. So thank you very, very much for joining us today. This has really been a pleasure. Um, I'm glad we had this conversation. And I really, really cannot wait to work with you and perform this piece at Aiken coming
0: up soon in January. Thank you again. Thank you. you What a fascinating conversation with some very talented musicians. You're sure to be impressed when you hear Pam and Jamie perform with the Wichita Falls Symphony Orchestra on March 26th at 7.30 p.m. in Aiken Auditorium. We look forward to seeing you there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Music, hosted by Fouad Fakouri of the Wichita Falls Symphony Orchestra. To check out more information about upcoming concerts and to purchase concert tickets, visit our website at www.wfso.org. That's wfso.org. If you have enjoyed the show, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time.